Welcome to another segment of Market Overdrive. Happy Thursday. Is it Thursday? I don't even know what day today is. It's just madness. It's spring market. It's tax season for us. 1099 employees. Well, that was the 17th. For those of us who asked for extensions. Anyway, how are you, Mr. Mehmet? I'm always looking for an extension. <laughs> Look for an extension of nine minutes today to start the show. Nine minutes extended. I'm glad that you're able to tell our listeners that you're the reason why we're starting our show late every single week. I own up to my mistakes, unlike you, Carlamina. I don't make mistakes. Oh, yes, you do. No, Here I we do are. Not. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. That was yeah, a good like, one. Yeah, yeah, Let's yeah. talk about more I love mistakes. Well, that's not a, mistake. not a mistake. I can't even say that. Hi, Gragga. Hey, Carla. I gotta be nice to him. Did, so you filed your extension, right? I'm not talking to you about these okay. issues on the you air. You know who's listening? <laughs> <laughs> it's our girlfriend Iris. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Iris. <laughs> Anyway, great show today. We're gonna uh, see. You're always complaining about realtor shows. Realtor shows. All we do is talk about multiple bidding wars. I'm gonna figure out a way to insert ourselves in there. Inspection though. issues, yeah. appraisal problems, mechanical liens, mechanical liens. <laughs> talk about everything Easements. but finance. So today we get a show. So like a long, long time ago, like four years ago, at another life and station, I decided to produce a show on mechanical liens. And I still haven't heard the end of it. And I think that was our best, most popular no, show. No, <laughs> no. There was nobody listening to the show on mechanical liens. Nobody tuned in to find out what a mechanics lien is. Get over it. Lydia was listening. No. My mama even, was listening. Even my mom didn't love me enough to listen to that one. <laughs> anyway, how are you, Mr. Funes? I'm doing great. Tell Happy us a little bit here. about the marketplace. The marketplace? What's cooking? The market's cooking. The market's always cooking. Uh, you know, we're just hoping that we get a little bit more inventory. Seriously, it's insane. Um, but the news is indicating that more and more properties, more and more uh, homeowners are going to put their homes on the market. So you can't hear me. What are you doing with that mic? You're like talking above the microphone. It's kind of awkward today. <laughs> it's like my, my little is that arm a new thing is, is, is broken that, here. Wait, it's a little arm. Your little arm's broken? <laughs> That's cute. Sorry to hear that. My little arm thing is broken. Enough about your little arm. <laughs> That's poor little kid. Grago Foods' little little arm is busted, so let's just move on to the important things in this room. Yes. And important people in this room. Because enough about us and your broken arm and, you know, Carlos' bad extensions and my mistakes. So, VIPs, let's get to them. Who wants to introduce our guest today? I think he doesn't even need an introduction. I think he's going to still need an introduction. Is he really? Introduce yourself. Give him a little one. Give Give him a little one. one. (laughs) I don't like it. So, in studio today from Keller Williams Realty, we got Tom Brandt visiting us today. Tom, the Tom Brand. The Tom Brand. The Tom Brand. I, I honestly thought when I saw the email, I mentioned this earlier, that it was Tom Brady coming in studio today. Close but enough. Yeah. Close my, enough. My what? wife is lovely, but she is not Giselle. <laughs> Beep no, that no. out in case your wife's watching <laughs> so, right now. She's like, don't come home today. You're not getting any food if you think someone's cooking. Tom, the hungry Tom Brandt who will not be eating for a week and sleeping on the couch. Tom, no. it's a pleasure to have you on Market Overdrive. We... Um, Always let our guests give us a little bit of a background and history, uh, how long you've been doing it, what got you in it, the whole nine yards. All right. Well, Carla, in my past life, I was a CPA, so really? I could have done those taxes for you, but oh. uh, oh, no, I've been selling real estate for 26 years now. Oh, wow. Some time. So, some time. That's oh, what wow. I said. Told That's you. That's a lot of time. Yeah. Okay. He, he beat you out. He did. <laughs> <laughs> you got three years on me. I still enjoy it. And you still enjoy years. it. Well, he's, here to, he's, he's here to talk about it today. So, you've seen a lot of markets, Tom, right? Yep. What are you telling us about today's market? What are you seeing? Today's market, I think, is the ideal time for sellers 
to get their homes on the market and sell. You said it earlier, there's very little inventory and interest rates have been creeping up since the fourth quarter last year. Mm-hmm. Estimates are they're going to be higher. Yep. You know, so I don't get it. Why do you economics? think that is, that we don't have inventory? Why aren't sellers selling? They are. They're just not calling you. <laughs> That's a good one. Tom's like, Tom's like, I got, Tom's like, I got tons okay. of listings. I just want to know this that, one look for at that the record. He brought in. I just want to know. Those are all sellers. Well, yeah. full disclosure: the only reason why I'm actually here kissing Tom's ass is because I submitted an offer on one of his listings in that folder right there. It has it's, 15 offers in it, and, and none of them. And yours is the bottom successful. of the pile. So Tom, <laughs> no, it is not on the bottom. She's number don't, don't listen. You no, know what? At no. the end of the day, I don't care what Nick says. I think you're just jealous of my awesome. Cool. Tom, yeah. tell us about what you were you were going somewhere with um, the yeah, market. I, I mean, I think, you know, it's economics 101. As interest rates go up, I think there's going to be a, a potential. No, but there should be a flood of sellers because, candidly, you know, rates go up, prices go down. People like panic. They economics might 101. So, and, and people's income is not necessarily going to go up in the same level over the next year the way interest rates have and might. So they're not going to be able to afford as much. That's not what our president said. <laughs> Everyone's a millionaire next year. <laughs> I majored in economics. I don't think he did. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Calling out the president. Fair enough. Oops. Fair enough. Um, so, I mean, I, that's a good point. I also think that mm-hmm. we finally are starting to get to, what were we hearing back in 2014? There's, even though most houses were coming you know, above water because we had a big underwater problem mm-hmm. for a long time. Oh, huge. There's an, at least enough equity that's somewhat of an incentive to sell now. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of houses that were just bought in 2004 and five and sense. bought at a very very high price, and then we had a obviously a recession that was well, call it a crash, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And some of these homes that were going for five hundred thousand were now going for three fifty. Thirty percent. People bought them across the board at five, and you know, selling at four fifty today wasn't necessarily on the top of their list. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you're going to see more and more homes uh, as equity appreciation in certain metropolitan areas have gone up 6% to 10% regularly over the last four years. Now they have incentive. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Nick. I think those who sort of, if you will, bought at the wrong time mm-hmm. in terms of the peak of the market now can get out. And, and right. if they've been paying their mortgage for 10 years, they have some equity. Right. And those who bought right, like... Those who bought after the decline of 35%. Oh, I have a lot of equity. They have a ton of equity, and it's time to take some of the profit off the table. Yeah. And it's good that you're encouraging people, but the reality of it is also that you have homeowners who are in really good interest rates, and so they don't need to sell, right? Why would they sell? Because they have an amazing mortgage payment. And so that's why our market, that's why our buyers are where we are. And I like that you say that people should, you know, if you're looking to sell, this is the right time. Mm-hmm. What do you advise buyers who are shopping and are submitting lowball offers? Like Carla. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. <laughs> well, I actu- I just want them to hear it from another source. Uh, um, you know, with Keller Williams, we're happy to share our secrets. And I'll tell you, this past weekend, I had a client act like a seller with multiple offers. She wrote offers on three different properties simultaneously. And we knew that the offers were not probably strong enough to be accepted on the face. And then we we looked to see who was most interested in selling. And 
you know, we got three, well, we got one rejection and two counter offers, and she's got one of those two properties under contract. Well, at least you got counters, right? She sprayed bullets everywhere. Well, bye, bye, bye. What if they also had accepted? it would have been a wonderful <laughs> it would have been a wonderful thing but as and that was her question and i basically said not to worry if i get a phone call you know once we get a phone call that one of them's being accepted i can call the others and say we're withdrawing the offer are we sending our offers so yeah that's right. good advice as well like you have to understand how this works just because you're submitting offers a doesn't mean they're all going to get accepted right. and most likely your first offer is never going to get accepted well, and that unless of course the seller has been on the market for a very long time and they've gone through their due diligence they've had multiple inspections a lot of failures and what have you. But in this market when there's no inventory, I mean, seriously, sellers can get really sophisticated about how they want to handle this. Right. Well, in that in that case, my buyer had lost out on three different properties, multiple offers. She was getting a little frustrated. And the three properties we went after had, were like new on the market, a beautiful house, something on the market 50, 60 days, and something that had been on the market 200 days. So wow. Yeah, so word of advice, if a property's newly on the market and we are telling you that there's a lot of people going to the open house, <laughs> and then if the, market comes on the, if the property comes on the market today or tomorrow, and we're telling you we can't wait till next week to show it to you because they're going to have multiple offers, <laughs> by Monday it's gone, right? Mm-hmm. Like, And are you seeing a lot of uh, offers sight on scene? Uh, no, on, honestly... I haven't, and I, I'd be leery of that. Yeah. Just so, so you, so you know, like a, an offer site unseen typically means that the, the, the buyer is going to submit an offer. They're going to issue their terms, but they're not seeing. They're not seeing. They haven't seen the property, so it's contingent on seeing the property. The only problem with that is that what kind of seller is going to have? Like you had fifteen offers, right? Right. Are you really going to wait for that other person to come through so they can see it, even if it's an amazing offer? <coughs> yeah, you, it's tough to keep all the other. You know, buyers. No one, buyers on hold in the agents. They don't want their offers to be shopped. It's a perfect time to segue. All right, let's do it. So, segue. Rocco, this is your buy, show. Buy, well, real quick, and I'll let Rocco do thing, his though. thing. One but, last thing I got to touch on. Okay. Carla said, why aren't people, why, why aren't more people putting their homes on the market? Mm-hmm. And I think it's just a comfort thing. They're, what's the incentive of me putting my house, even though I got... 10% equity in it. What's my incentive to sell? Am I going to upgrade into a shiny new penny, mm-hmm. which is new construction, which doesn't exist right now? So my take on that is that we need more new construction, more affordable new construction so that our current homeowners consider putting their homes on the market and roll that equity into you know, a better quality property. And I think that's why the inventory is just staggering slowly um, but if we can see a little bit more new construction in our industry, affordable new construction again, we'll be able to pick up steam with more and more people selling their homes on the market. I mean, well, I mean, that's the whole entire debate, right? Is the lack of new construction, but that has to do with you guys, the lending and the guidelines, and there not being enough price per square foot well, we to justify. Homes. Yeah, we don't, we build, don't build, build homes. I mean, it's you're issuing loans, right, for new construction. Yeah. Chicago hasn't seen enough appreciation in price per square foot. We need more builders to get construction. He's trying to say somebody's got to get out there and build them. Somebody has to build these properties. People more. are. They, we do have developers looking to build. No, we not have high rise towers that are going up, but we don't have and being rented. Yeah, and a, lot rented. Rentals. And a lot of rentals yeah. in the high rises. So I see more and more, rather than new home developments, you see a lot of the the flip and rehab. Yeah. You know, rehab and flip. Yeah. And I mean, that's and, the next best the thing. bungalow belts. Yeah, right. but the right. problem the with those, thing. and just I'm sorry, I just have to say this: the problem with the flips is that there's not enough 
you know, like it's not affordable, right? Because bu- investors are buying them and they're picking them up at a higher price point. So then they also have to put in their yield. And so by the time they bring it on the market, it's a higher price home. So therefore, it's not affordable to your, you know, first time buyer per se, your average right. 450 or 350 buyer of a single family home. Mm. They're coming on the market and they're like 600 because that's where the profitability is when you're picking these up at like 250 or so. So right. that's right. where the market is like really tight. And I just think that buyers should should know this stuff because when they're shopping, I don't think in the spring market there's such a thing as a shiny penny. There just isn't. I mean, you're just chasing. Got one in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's primarily why we need more new That's all I got in my pocket. But I have a shiny, <laughs> a penny, shiny penny in my pocket. <laughs> Segwaying right, back, multiple offers, which is a problem. We have less sellers than we normally do. We have plenty of buyers, but not enough inventory, uh, which has you walking around with 15 offers in a folder. Right. Carlos buried the 14. Um, <laughs> and... You know, it, it goes to are you going to tell now? Me the price? We're sifting through these offers, and they're all written differently. Some people right. are, some people might be willing to buy this house in cash. Some people are going to put down twenty percent. Some people put the bare minimum. I have no idea what that property you have in your folder is, but let's just assume, and for the sake of uh, simple arguments here, it's a single family home. Nope, nope. It's a two, <laughs> two flat. Unit. Okay, it's a two unit. Two flat, which makes it more affordable. Okay, it's a two flat. <laughs> right. So now, programs are something you're going to look at. Mm-hmm. And when you're yep. when your seller takes into consideration, and you're going to advise them on specific programs, are going to be this looks this particular program looks like easier way of financing versus this particular program. Uh, and today's topic is buying a home conventional versus FHA. Uh, and right. uh, now, where does that? And I don't want to jump over our we we have a chronological or chronological order we want to follow with the do's and the don'ts and the why's and the why nots uh, for FHA purchasing, but. Where does an FHA offer, uh, or how does an FHA offer play into the decision-making process of you and your seller compared to a conventional with 20% down or all that other fun stuff? Closer to Mike. Right. Uh, I would say that the FHA offer, as long as they've been fully vetted and the pre-approval is a solid pre-approval, you're in the mix as long as your price is in the mix. Uh, this particular transaction, two of the 15 offers were FHA. The prices were not, you know, the prices were not sufficient enough to, to be in the top, you know, half dozen offers. Mm-hmm. Now, if they had been, it would have then warranted a second look. <clears throat> but again, with the conventional offers, when you have multiples like that, in general, you're going to have someone or more people who have the heart the larger down payment you okay know, we had half a dozen offers with 20 to 30 percent down let me hit you with some brass tacks and a t- tough question sure. you have a both vetted from the same exact lender two offers same exact price top offers one is conventional one is fha uh one is five percent down conventional or three percent down conventional one is three and a half percent down fha so there's no strength in down payment oh and wh- how does that affect your decision now you flip a coin. Well, if they're identical price, two fifty and similar, yeah, similar five percent conventional, three and a half percent FHA. There's not much difference there in terms of the strength of the offer. Uh, then we'll start looking at some of the details. Is it an FHA two hundred three k where they're borrowing additional funds to do renovation? If that's the case, then there's not the concern about. <clears throat> 
uh, the FHA appraisal that might require some work to be done to the property right. because they're <clears throat> borrowing extra money that can take that into consideration. Because FHA just so. does some sneaky little time-consuming things to a property mm-hmm. that you know no one really puts a lot of value in. Painted gutters, like there's paint chips flipping up, you know, coming off the gutter. FHA will require a seller to get out there, repaint them, and right. have them ready to go. <clears throat> Conventional doesn't care. Exactly. So little things like this. And I think that a seller would, when they're aware of all this stuff, might have a tendency to skew just to, it's, even though your house might be perfectly fine, you don't know what's going to happen until the inspector comes out, right? Exactly. Well, and actually, with in that case, it's, you know, you have the regular home inspection, but then you have the FHA appraisal, which is almost like a second <clears throat> inspection. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that can cost you money. Well, Nick, before we get too carried on, like, well, can we just stop a little bit and have Grocco explain, like, the difference between these two loan products in plain English, as we promised, in our marketing? The short version? Yeah. Little arm, short version. Yeah. Let's just keep going. <laughs> Real simple. So the FHA loan is very lenient when it comes to... Uh, credit rating. Uh, they require a small down payment, 3.5% typically. Uh, conventional has caught up though. The conventional loan program now does offer a 3% program similar to FHA, uh, but the mortgage insurance is slightly different. Keep that in mind. Uh, Nick touched on this uh, on a side note. In some cases, rate does play a difference uh, on an FHA loan versus a conventional loan. Uh, but that's a debate on a totally different level. Um, Tom and I had this conversation earlier where what if my FHA buyer is making an offer much higher than everybody else? Is the seller willing to consider mm-hmm. my offer? Because there's a stigma with FHA that you know there's more documentation, the appraisals <clears throat> are a bit more rigorous. Their credit score is not as good. Their credit score is not as good. Um, and I'm always an advocate for that consumer because for me, I could care less. My processing and my underwriting process, even my pre-approval process, mm-hmm. is the same all the way through. Meaning I'm going to vet out that borrower the same way, whether they're going conventional or FHA early on. So my underwriting process shouldn't be any harder. Right. Um, and if my borrower who is approved FHA is considering... Uh, going above while asking, you know, I would hope that that offer is considered from the seller side. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, what is your opinion, Tom? Are you still sustaining? Yeah, no, I I think you know, twenty years ago there may have yeah, been it was a more lot. of a stigma yep. on, and in fact, for years I used to tell people, you know, FHA is not sort of the poor person's loan, mm-hmm. and I I used to use an analogy saying. Using a certain billionaire's name as, you know, if he wanted to get an FHA loan, mm-hmm. he could as long as he doesn't own another primary sure. residence. You know, it, there's a variety of reasons. So I just so. want to, like, clarify, too, a little bit more with respects to an FHA versus conventional. So anytime you're putting less than 20% down, you are <clears throat> going to you're going to demonstrate a little bit higher risk to mm-hmm. the investor who's the lender who's letting you borrow money. And it's basically your business partner in acquiring that asset or making that purchase. So say you go to Graco, you say, hey, I want to put 20% down on a purchase. You guys are business partners. The person is not going to walk away 
from 20% down. So you're not you're not showing significant risk. Anytime you say you're going to put less than 20%, then the lender's going to say, hmm, okay, so now I'm going to have you get take out mortgage insurance premium. So I think that's where it differs. Yeah, there is a difference. I mean... The both, ma- both loans today carry mortgage insurance unless exactly what when you, you just said. When you say both loans, though, not an the FHA 20% loan, down. An, right. An FHA loan carries mortgage insurance for life. There's no way around it. Right. A conventional loan, if you are doing 20% down, does not carry mortgage insurance. But there's been a lot of conventional loans today where they're doing 5%. Ten uh, percent, and then you're well, three percent. So I now gotta, you're. Talk- I got to correct you on that real quick, and just because it's pretty recent, but an FHA loan doesn't um, carry mortgage insurance for life if you put down eleven percent. If you're at eighty nine point nine nine LTV, they recently changed it where you can't get out of mortgage insurance. It's if when you're over the ninety threshold, it's permanent unless you refinance it, and that's recent. So. Really? Yes, it is. Yes, because okay. I just—I actually just found that on accident myself. But <laughs> hit the brakes. Everybody hit the brakes for one second because there's a part of the show that we have to do and we have to do it early in the show. We can't wait till later in the show because we have to come back to it later in the show. So we're going to do it now at this point in the show. It's called the Nitro Question. I didn't hear music. Nitro. Everybody... You don't have to hear the, the music. It's in my head. It's like... Like a lot of things that are in your head. I actually, I actually did the hit <laughs> like the brakes. crazy... You know, part... That's it? Yeah. <laughs> I never hear it anyway, so I don't know when it's going on, so I just, I'm just going to fire it off like this. I think they like just this. killed that, uh, segment, the ni- the ni- that part of our show, and you just keep doing it. No, 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 no. The Nitro question today is brought to you by Tamika Scott with Money Matters Financial Peace. Tamika, thanks for sponsoring the Nitro question. And every show we ask our guest uh, something random, um, and you don't, we don't want you to answer the question right away. We want your answer a little bit later. Okay. But you've been through some highs and lows in 26 years. Mm-hmm. I know in 23 years I've been through some, so you're going to definitely you got to think about the lows and what I mean. And we have to eliminate the market crash itself because that's too easy. I'm not going to let you okay. get out with saying, "Oh, the market crashing was low of, of my career." Um, we know that was everybody's low in the career when it came from an economic standpoint. But in your 26 years, um, it being like I said, a very high and a very low industry at times, and some great moments have come. There are some dark days, uh, whatever that might be, uh, an exploding file, a real ugly fight between a seller and a buyer. I mean, just something that has really, really uh, put you in a situation where you might have actually considered going back to being a CPA. <laughs> you know, we we have our moments saying, this is the right. greatest decision of my life, right. or maybe I should just go back to what I was doing. It doesn't necessarily mean because you were making more or less money, mm-hmm. but it's just taxing Something daunting. So either give us a moment, a t- an era, a time, or a specific deal, whatever it might be, where you actually said, wow, I think I think I might need to go do a career change. That is the Nitro question. They're off the cuff. They right. have no uh, relevancy to the topic, but we just like to hear everyone's different stories. And sometimes they're funny. Sometimes they're serious. Today, you got a serious one because you do have an extensive amount of time in the, in the industry. So... Think about it. Let it marinate. We'll be back again. Tamika Scott with Money Matters Financial Peace was the sponsor of today's Nitro Question. We'll be back in about 20 minutes with that one. Move it forward, girl. So, okay. can I go back to my points? You can do whatever you want. Let's Point away. Did you remember it? Well, no. The reason why I was, uh, t- I was trying to kind of go back to the how much money you're putting down, I think, because that's basically what differentiates. Is mm-hmm. that a word? Did I say that <laughs> correct? Say that again. You got it. Differentiates. <laughs> it makes it different from each other. It's um, the FHA versus conventional, right? It's how much money you're putting down. Mm-hmm. So going back to your example, Tom, where you had 15 offers. Right. Mine of m- not making it and me still trying to push that subject. Right. Um, 
But if you have twenty percent down, I'm gonna look at you as okay. So what happens if the appraisal comes in lower? I can go back and renegotiate with that buyer that has more liquidity to go ahead and absorb. Maybe put, I don't know, put more money down and then pay the difference into the you know like maybe the property doesn't come out to to value right. Mm-hmm. So if you're five and a quarter, it comes in at five twenty whatever right. Right. So five thousand they have to come out of pocket because the lender's not gonna not gonna lend you on that. So they right. can reduce their twenty percent down and say, "I'm just going to do I don't know fifteen percent down or whatever," and then pay the difference out of pocket. If I have a three and a half percent loan pro- a buyer or a three percent down loan a buyer, they're not going to be able to do that. Right. So I'm going to look for the buyer that's going to have more strength in the game or in getting the deal done. Because if right. you have fifteen buyers, imagine picking the wrong one. So then you're like thirty days out and you're like, "Okay, what's going on?" Mm-hmm. Like you just you just lost all other buyers because the market is moving fast. Right. And so right. in in three days or four days, that buyer has already bought something else. Right. So while you were able to generate 15 offers in this like no inventory market, those buyers are still like really hungry and they need to get something under contract. And so if you don't make the right decisions for your client or make or give your clients the best advice, you're back to square one. So you're right. saying an FHA buyer is not willing to come out of pocket to cover the difference? Of not the willing, not able. Or not able. How are they not able? Because they only have three and a half percent to put down. Typically, if you don't have a lot of money to put down, you're going to go no. use it. Hold on a second. Okay. Let's back it up. Back it up. Just because I want to put three and a half percent down doesn't mean I have more money elsewhere to put down. I mean, or you, don't have money or, elsewhere. Right, right. But you said it best. There, there's a billionaire that could have used an FHA loan, right? Right. Uh, as an example, but. We can't always just assume because if I'm buying a property, sometimes as an investor, I want to come out the least amount of money out of pocket. And if I have the option of going FHA at 3.5% to buy a four-unit building, I'm going to do it. And Mm -hmm. we can all disagree Mm -hmm. on that, Greco, though, because if somebody wants to be conservative in the way they spent their money... I'm not going to be paying a assuming. premium. I'm not going to pay a mortgage insurance premium on money if I have the money to put down. Why am I going to care? Why is my more, my carry? I'll tell you why. Higher? What if you're about to get married? You and your fiance want to buy your first home. You only have forty thousand dollars. You need ten thousand dollars at three and a half percent down. And you got to pay for a wedding. Now what? You could do. I mean, I always tell my That's clients why people to do, do it. I tell my clients, look, mm-hmm. leave as much money available for a rainy day. You never know mm-hmm. what's going to happen. I've obviously been through the recession and we knew what happened with short sales and foreclosures and people lost everything so why put all your eggs in one basket right mm-hmm. I'm always advising clients if they're buying two prop if they're a spouse maybe put it under one person's name and then also you know keep the asset under one person's income and then go you know that route I'm a very conservative agent well, but when it comes to multiple bidding wars Tom are you seriously going to if you have two same offer property if you have two same offer price offers what are you going to make? What are you going to tell your client? What are you going to recommend? The larger down, you know, the larger down payment availability but, is going to be a stronger offer. What if the FHA, <laughs> the FHA offer is offer willing to come in have... higher and puts it but in writing? But we just said if there's two four hundred and twenty-five thousand dollar offers, one is conventional and the other one is FHA. He said the larger down payment option, right? Yeah, so he's okay, going to take right. the so conventional. So you can have a conventional deal. offer of five percent, but don't think we haven't done FHA loans like I just said at eighty-nine point nine percent LTV. Right. And so again, that's the larger so that's, one. Well, so that's a, go ahead. Tom. But from a practical matter for example in this instance uh we asked for all the offers to be presented sunday at six and later that evening i sent out an email to everyone sort of clearing clarifying information from the owner uh and kind of giving direction and but the final question was in light of the environment where none of us have control over who the appraiser is going to be sent out to a property because of the use of the appraisal management companies what 
does your client intend to do if the appraisal comes in below our contract price? And then I spelled out, A, will they bring additional cash to the table? And if so, up to what dollar amount? B, will they ask their lender to send a new appraiser? Parentheses. Some people, some lenders won't do that. PNC is one. They won't do a second appraisal. Period. Uh, C. People no close. PNC. Right. <laughs> C. It, you know, are they willing to switch lenders in order to get a new appraisal? Wow. Or D. You know, are they going to ask the seller to? You know, cut the appraisal cut, down. Cut the, va- cut cut the, the value. Down. Adjust, know, the, the sales adjust the price to match you know, the meet appraisal them halfway, value. Etc. So and I, and I asked all those folks to get back to us. To let us know. So what did and it? Did you get anybody to agree? Yes, several. The wow. FHA client. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but see, this is the craziness, right? No. I would never ever advise my client to go ahead and pay above fair market value because, in essence, what you're saying is we have multiple bids. Everybody wants a home. And we just said that the job growth is not going to support the increases in value. Right. So your bank. So here's the deal. So when you submit an offer, I always tell my clients there's checks and balances. At the end of the day, if the property doesn't appraise out, I will negotiate on behalf of my client that the price is going to be adjusted to reflect fair market value of that appraised value from the lender. Right. And if I'm on the buying side, I'm going to try and do, do that for my thing. buyer as well. But this However, is crazy. But there's, a, there's a difference between fair market value, which is what a ready, willing, and able buyer in an arm's length transaction is willing to pay for a property. Oh, we're getting technical. No, I love it. We this got stuff f- excites me, really. We, we got 15 mm-hmm. ready, willing, and able buyers. And that's the market but value. But that is not necessarily appraised value. Yep. As Negotiate that with an appraisal who's, appraiser who's going to be in there and said, well, those right. are contingents. Those values do not exist. They do not match the the, the I, pricing. Right. And I, I shared with a number of the agents who had already submitted offers and were perhaps back in the property for a second time, I shared with them I was going to be asking this question and it was important. And why? Because I had a very similar property in the similar neighborhood last year. 11 written offers. All of them. Two were at the asking price, nine of them over the asking price. And that appraiser brought the appraised value in at the asking price. Which was $25,000 less than that property sold for. Right. I mean, I had a property a year ago on Drake, also in the same neighborhood, that was $50,000. But let's talk about underpricing, mm-hmm. that strategy. Well, it's, you know, you you hope that you're not so far <laughs> underpriced. <laughs> what? But, but cool. you, you price it within a range. <laughs> Wait. And, and you, let the, you let the seller sort of dictate where it's going to go. That example last year with 11 offers, Mm -hmm. my seller wanted an owner-occupant to buy the home that they had lived in for 29 years. Mm. He turned down a full cash offer that was, or he turned down a cash offer that was only $500 less than the 20% down conventional offer because the cash offer he felt was from an investor. He Mm. wanted the young couple who was going to make it their home. Sentimental moment. Yeah. Well, we okay. appreciate you educating Carla on how to deal with multiple offers because that's not the show that we're actually doing today. Sorry. The topic of the show and why people are jumping on and jumping off online is because the topic of the show is conventional loans versus FHA Let's loans. Let's jump back on, guys. Somehow we've gotten into anything but that topic. I'm still so, trying to get my deal accepted like, here. How much time do we have? I'll left? just take over the show from here so I can keep it on course because we've completely gone ADHD with it at this point. Although it's good information, good stuff, but let's get back to it. Who want, you want to break down, or who, who wants to break down the like general 
what's the reason someone would even use an FHA loan versus a conventional loan in the first place? Because I think we've discussed yeah. sellers and how they look at them. And, and, and <clears> I had a great deal last year where it I targeted FHA buyers because mm-hmm. those sellers contacted me thinking that they were going to have a short sale mm-hmm. and come short of losing their home. Mm-hmm. And when I saw it, the value was there, but the condition was rough, you know, so that people could just pay a little bit more and get something that was in much better condition. And I basically said to them, look, you know, the ideal buyer is is an FHA buyer with a 203K loan who has limited funds. They don't have enough to buy a house that's forty dollars or $50,000 more expensive, but they can put $40,000 into the rehab, you know, so on top of your purchase In price. layman's terms, an FHA... 203k loan is essentially a fixer upper. Exactly. It's a fixer upper type loan. You get right. in, you get some money to make the repairs that the appraiser's already under the assumption is part of the reason and he's going to label those repairs needed and you could also uh, right. mark down any other additional repairs you plan on doing that aren't maybe part of the FHA requirement and then you have a new value and you get the loan for the house and of course the loan to do the construction itself. Correct. Now, most of the time, 90% of the time, FHA loans that are being done are just very standard eye for an eye loans. They're just to purchase a property. So Mm -hmm. who is this consumer, Grocco, compared to a standard conventional? And let's stick with 3.5% versus, I think conventionally you could do 3%, so FHA minimum is 3.5%. Who's the conventional 3% buyer, generally speaking? And Mm -hmm. And why would you be forced to use FHA at this point to a 3.5% person that doesn't you know why? Why go? Why pick FHA over conventional, or vice versa? So there's a lot of pros to do an FHA loan. Um, I said earlier they're more lenient on credit, so you don't have to have the best credit score in the world. Uh, I've seen scenarios where you can go as low as 580 on a credit score to be able to purchase and utilize that three and a half percent down payment. Um, FHA is great where they're more lenient on your debt to income ratio, meaning you can carry more debt on a monthly basis to be able to afford. Uh, the mortgage. Uh, FHA is great in the sense where the loan is assumable. Some people don't know that you can actually transfer that loan. So let's say you lock in at a great interest rate today. Somebody else can actually assume that loan later on down the road so long as uh, they qualify for that mortgage. Um, FHA is more forgiving Mm -hmm. on past credit. So if you had a foreclosure, a short sale, a bankruptcy in the past, you know, you can utilize the FHA loan a lot faster versus a conventional loan, which requires more time. Um, and lastly, an FHA loan is going to permit later down the road what's called a streamline. And a streamline is a loan that allows you to refinance your current mortgage into a, maybe a lower rate or a lower term without having to go through all the hoopla of verifying the appraised value, income, uh, assets. income assets, as long as you've paid that mortgage consecutively for 12 months straight, you qualify for that FHA streamline. So there's a lot of pros in taking on an FHA loan and holding it uh, for a longer period versus the conventional. And I'm sure Nick will touch on that on the conventional side. But I love the FHA loan because it allows you to go up to four units, acquiring a property at four units at 3.5% down. Basically, you're living for free while your rents are coming in and, and you're cash flowing on a monthly basis. So it's just something to consider. It's a very good option to take on as Let a loan. Let me tell you why I prefer the conventional loan. All right. <laughs> I think the FHA loan is a necessity. There's a lot of people mm-hmm. that are just getting started, and I think it's an excellent tool 
And if you can't fit into a conventional loan, then you need to look at an FHA loan because all the things he mentioned are accurate. And it's essentially was the FHA program was designed, Jesus, like a hundred years ago. Um, it feels like a hundred years, but it was I think it was the fifties maybe is when it came out, fifties or sixties. Um, it was designed to give people without strong credit history and a background in, in, in owning a house an opportunity to own a house. Originally, it didn't even have a credit score requirement. Mm-hmm. And now it actually does to some degree. So it's a, it's a great tool. If you're just not quite what conventional considers truly conforming. So you could be just like off by a hair and you fall into the FHA bucket, which is not a bad thing, by the way. But conventional is a better loan program. And I say that because, you know, the the now conventional does offer 5% down on a four-unit. Four unit, yeah. You could do the Home Ready program. Mm-hmm. You don't have to necessarily do it FHA. Um, but you can get rid of that mortgage insurance pretty quickly. A lot faster, yeah. A lot faster. Where, like we said earlier, you're never going to get rid of an FHA mm-hmm. mortgage insurance situation. So why were you giving me such a hard time at the beginning of the show when I said that the conventional deal is going to be a little bit more sophisticated for the buyer who doesn't want to pay all those fees, right? Because technically, the 5% down loan product, which is the conventional, d- reduces the fees. And that's why more savvier investors are going to say, I don't want to pay all those fees. You mean fees. the mortgage insurance premium that's paid up One and a half percent up from PMI yeah. plus the, plus the monthly, carry, premium. monthly carrying premium. So if you're yeah. putting 3.5% down and then you're putting 1.5% and dumping it into the loan, you're already in, your initial investment's already at a 5%. I thought you were referencing like if you have the twenty percent down, you should always do it. No, I was saying like a conventional starts at five. I wouldn't criticize that. I, I literally thought I heard you say twenty. If you have twenty percent down, you should be putting. I was it down just saying there's time. a Why difference between the two loan products. And yeah, one is one is twenty percent down. That's your conventional low yeah. high, low risk for the investor, which is the lender that's lending you the money. But if you're going to put down five percent, and if, if I have fifteen offers, I'm going to say, well, the five percent guy, right? Because and yeah. and like you said, Tom, right? You're going to accept the offer that has comes in as sold as is. Or it's, you know they're going to do the inspection. They're going to put a lot of money down as right. an earnest. Not that we keep earnest, and earnest is just blah. But it shows that people want the property, right? Right. So right. when we're right. advising conventional versus FHA in this in this marketplace, I just don't want buyers who are listening to think. I got, you know, it's it, it's not that you don't have a chance. It's just, it's so difficult for us because we're writing multiple mm-hmm. offers for many buyers. You just said one buyer wrote three. Mm-hmm. And yep. three of those got rejected. And you're going, I mean, you rejected mine. Let's let's have a therapy <laughs> session here. <laughs> you, also have to understand, you also have to understand that one of the reasons, now it gets a little confusing. There's been some new regs and uh, rule changes in the lending industry where, uh, some lenders have different opinions on how they price their FHA loans versus their conventional loans. Uh, some lenders price their profit margins exactly the same. Some lenders put a little bit more profit in what is perceived to be a harder loan to do in the FHA stuff. So generally speaking, uh, margin per margin, an, FH- an FHA rate is lower than a conventional rate, generally speaking. Some lenders aren't like that. So we don't mm-hmm. know which lender is which and who that client's applying with and what their policies is internally. But sometimes they're just picking the FHA loan because the rate is lower. Right. So ideally, and you shouldn't penalize them thinking, oh, they probably have a low credit score, some things in, pro- in place. They're not. And it's not that we're penalizing yeah. them. I mean, I hate for people to think Carla is well, they're being not, an not elitist as solid. and saying. Well, no, you want to get the strongest buyer for your client. Yeah, your I, wanna, I want my clients understood. not to lose leverage. Right. And Tom, you understand that when it comes to processing an FHA mm-hmm. loan, a conventional loan, you're like, 
Don, if this person's uh, loan was pre-approved and they un- they they if looked they showed documents, though. if right, you so, got to do your job of vetting out that lender too to make sure that, that pre-approval is solid. Just because somebody's putting thirty percent down on a conventional loan, you still got to pick up the phone, call that loan lender. officer. Well, say, that's why people think that getting multiple offers it's easy for us. Yeah, it's 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 definitely it's not. not. Easy. We have to call fifteen different lenders, right? <laughs> in the highest offer platform, you got to call these buyers, eight lenders, and find out. Like, I mean, Graco, how many calls have I asked you to make for you know <laughs> my buy on behalf of my buyers just to you know talk to the listing mm-hmm. agent to say it's a strong buyer. We've not only had a phone conversation, but we also looked at documents. And a lot of lenders don't look at documents. I mean, this is a shout out to you. Most recently, I had a file where my client decided to go somewhere else and the lender made the biggest mistake and didn't even look for documents. Unfortunately, my client had a short sale years ago. And the mm-hmm. first thing Graco asked was, let me see the, 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 the documents from the short sale. And this mm-hmm. other lender didn't do that. And I mean, now I'm, I'm here. My loan, we were due to close at the end of this month, and now they're asking for 30 more days because they have to completely redo the loan again. So imagine I going through. I was only asking for 15 days, by the way. So you know, <laughs> yeah. if you're watching and listening, we can close a lot faster than that <laughs> yeah. garbage lender that didn't do Look their job. <laughs> little, arm, little arm goes fast. We got it. <laughs> we got it. Sometimes um, fast is. Good. Good. Yes. <laughs> Jimmy Johns. Can I disagree with Okay. Anyway, so going back to our scenario, I full disclosure, I'm not trying to sound elitist. In the best case scenario, fourth quarter, call me, we'll do an FHA all day long. But right now it's spring market and I gotta deal with people like Tom. I have no chance out here to try to get a deal yeah, this done. This feels like no. a therapeutic Carlamina <laughs> session. It doesn't really feel like a show about FHA versus uh But it is alone. FHA versus convention. People are out there shopping with Just FHA. Tell us how you feel about your problems, Carla. Go Wait, ahead, one more thing about FHA oh, and well, conventional. I, my my advice I guess for FHA is is you know, if it's a nice property that doesn't look like it's going to need a lot of renovation, That's exactly where I was going with that. Then, yes. then keep in mind that you, as an FHA buyer, if you're writing an offer with three and a half percent down, I had an FHA offer in this mix that was a bigger down payment. But if you're writing, consider that you're going to be compared to other offers that are five percent down, and if there's an offer that's got 10 or an offer that has 20% or more, that's going to get more leverage. So I'm not sure that you you're, you have to compensate versus the 5% down conventional offer so much. You might have to compensate price-wise to induce the seller to, to accept the risk of a less than 20% down payment if you think you're going to be competing multiple offer-wise with conventional offers of great wow. advice. I'll, I'm going to say advice. I'm going to say this. Um, with the new landscape of lending and how loan officers, specifically loan officers, I'm not talking about institutions like the actual company they work for, mm-hmm. but the new landscape of lending and the way loan officers are paid today versus prior to 2000, and I think it was 11 or 12, where the comp structures changed. A loan officer gets paid the same on every loan, regardless of the credit criteria, down payment, loan program. They have no incentive to switch the loan from one program to another. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? That means that a loan officer nowadays will obviously take the easiest road traveled for the client. To make it To make it work. Make sure it closes. And, And in a case like when you're looking at FHA, back in the old days, if I was a seller, 
I saw an FHA loan versus a conventional loan, I wouldn't have put too much stock on it. I would have been like, well, you know, the loan officer probably wants to make more money, so he's picking the FHA loan. Mm. I don't necessarily think no. that's how it worked back then. Yeah. Did it not, Rocco? Don't think buckets. about it like that now. No. Yeah, was, that's it, how it worked back then. Okay. So if you were selling your home back then, you're like... FHA versus you, so FHA versus uh, conventional doesn't really mean anything to me. It just means that LO has more motivation to do a loan that he profits more. So these clients might be seven hundred eighty credit scores. They're putting down five percent. They could easily go convention- conventional, oh. but this loan officer is picking the route of FHA. Today, if a loan officer is handing you an FHA pre-approval, that's an automatic red flag. Not saying you should turn this client away, but that's an automatic red flag that they do not fit into conventional for some reason or another. Mm-hmm. What that is. That's, you know, hopefully it's not a big reason. Uh, maybe it's something very small, like 45% debt to income ratio, but he's really a 47. That's not a big deal. Right. But, or he's not a 720 credit score. He's a 610 credit score, but he's got great income, great assets. You mm-hmm. know, so you have to look deeper into the cake or try to if you're a seller, but you should know that a loan officer has no motivation to pick what is still going to be a slightly harder loan to do. If he's willing to do it, that means he can't. this client cannot yeah, go conventionally. Yeah, it's just the reality of right. what, where we stand today. Well, now, but I don't think that we're looking at FHA loan products and thinking, oh, somebody's trying to profit out of it. I, I understand people have hiccups in their credits, and that's why mm-hmm. this is a more lenient loan program. There is no more profit, program. is what I'm saying. There's no more profit in either one. You're of saying in the right. old days. In the, in the old, old days, days there was. was. Right. But I, as, as Realtors listing agents, we're not looking at it that way. We're, we're more so looking at it like how if we're picking out of fifteen people, I want to pick the strongest buyer. Mm-hmm. Right, but and that's what I'm saying. If you're if you're getting handed get FHA approval, that loan officer really didn't want to go there unless he absolutely had to. Right now, no. you should know that. And as we a understand agent. that, of course. Right. I mean, I have FHA right. buyers, and I understand why we're in the FHA program. Right. And you know, right. we've chosen that product. But one more that the the other difference that I don't know. I think we kind of like browse through it. It's it's more about that appraisal inspection. Right, we talked about reducing, mm-hmm. uh, taking a, buying the property in as is condition, meaning you can do a home inspection, but you can go back and nickel and dime, or not nickel and dime, but renegotiate credits or reduce that net number for a, for the seller. Right. So with an appraisal, right, you're buying the property as is. So the seller's saying, "I'm not doing any repairs," but here comes the appraisal saying there's chipping paint in the garage, in the exterior windows, and in downstairs the there's porch. in the basement there's hanging wires. So so all of a sudden the right. client has to say, "Well, but I'm selling it as is." So it goes back to, let me go back to that 5% down conventional deal since we're, you know. Yeah, that's a case by case, though. I mean, and you guys vet out these properties Honey, early okay, on. Tom, can yeah. I, this property that you're selling, uh-huh. did it have a lot, did it need a lot of work or some work? Is it going to pass FHA we're, appraisal? We're back at that one again? Yeah. <laughs> Just make it sure. it, it As actually, an example. It actually had peeling paint in the enclosed porch <laughs> okay. that would have been required FHA to Thank you. With, I'm just so. saying, is the dynamics, you guys, right. there's not a lot of turnkey products. There's not a lot of properties yeah. that don't need a lot of work. And they're selling like hotcakes because of the market. So the only reason why I wanted to have a show of FHA versus conventional, it's because in this marketplace, we have to understand the difference in how to negotiate these these loan programs. I get and it, I get well, it. What if the contract says, you know, sometimes you get a situation where a seller just bought some new appliances, right? Right. right. Literally a year ago, then something happened, they decided they have to sell. They want to take, their, they love their stove oh. and they love their refrigerator and they want to take them with them, so the house is being sold without it. I know that sometimes that's really not recommended by you guys, but... That's that's a dead FHA loan right there. 
Yeah. Right. When you write up that there's no more appliances, Carla would buy doesn't a get approved fridge and then yeah, dishwasher and get it in there. I those would, are those little nuances. But that are that's annoying. the other thing. Like if I have a relationship with Tom and I will say, Tom, I'll make sure that my client goes and cleans up that chipping paint. I'll bring in my right. own appliances. Can you please let me have yeah. this deal? Then we'll get a deal really? done. You get a fixed. Oh, I've had FHA too. I will do GFIs. Where... Wait, they check GF... GFCIs yeah, too. GFCIs. GFCIs. GF. GFIs on the yeah in the kitchen. Is GFCIs. GF. Eyes? Okay. It's okay. It's okay. Ground we'll move on. Circuit yeah. interrupter. Let's do it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. All right. Grocco, anything else about your convention? Can we wrap up that? our uh, nitro question? We got to get to the I nitro question. To, uh, another we have to get to the nitro oh. question. <laughs> the nitro question, back at Tom here, yeah. was in 26 years, excluding the market crash, which is a dark time for everybody in the industry, was there ever a moment, a file, a situation, a transaction, or even just an era? Where you're like, man, this is way too grinding for me. I, I, I think I need to make another career changing goal. Either go back to being a CPA or just do something different because this isn't worth all the stress or whatever whatever that particular thing was. Yeah, I have to say, I don't think there was ever a time when I thought about going back to be a CPA. Or just get out of the industry. Right. And I wouldn't say I got out of the industry, but uh, there was one year, the day after Christmas, I got a phone call late at night, like, eight o'clock my kids are there and i recognized the phone number as being a past client who had sold her property and i thought i have no reason to be talking to her right now because she moved out of the area <clears throat> and so i let it go to voicemail and then i listened to the voicemail and my client obviously was enjoying herself a little too much and just was going on and, on. and as i was listening to the message there's another <laughs> phone call coming in and then a third and then a fourth and then a fifth and she left five successive messages that were just crazy about the transaction which I got her out of a property during the market decline at a great price. <laughs> Wait, so she was complaining about you to you in your voice mess in your voicemail? Five successive voice messages the day after. <laughs> so like Christmas. the tape ran out at AT and T, <laughs> and she had to reset and call you five more times. And and I, you know, and then I started just listening to them and playing it for my kids. And they're my kids were teenagers to young twenty. They're like, she's crazy drunk <laughs> and I'm like, crazy yeah that's so it's so much verbal abuse it was sort of <laughs> that you're like, like this isn't worth it anymore it was yeah. it was sort of like why am i doing this to myself why do people think they can call us at eight o'clock at night and on christmas the day after christmas <laughs> and just christmas. and like <laughs> just start dumping on us i'm like I don't know. We are still business people who have Families. lives outside and the whole nine yards. I mean, Carla does it to me every day. It's not even, you know, so, I could tell that. No. You know. But that's uh, Carly. She's story. talking about a client. That's I mean, terrible. Hey, I would we've cry. Had, Did we've you all try? had the clients that are. She was. And my, my kids were like, Dad, was that a really bad transaction? I'm like, the closing was a little tough because I stopped by the night before to see if she was going to have everything cleaned up broom clean condition for the final walkthrough the next morning she said yes her her kids were helping her we got in there the next day well and well, it sorry was to hear that. far from it so <laughs> so i physically hauled out a bunch of stuff to the garbage and she had to like settle for four hundred dollars at the closing table mm. 
makes good times. Have a party. Good times. <laughs> like crazy clients. Well, all right. He said, he, said, he said they left a long message and they were enjoying themselves and I was like, whoa. What kind yeah, of I know. Okay, no, I was no, like, sorry. Where's this no, going? No, no, she was like, oh. clearly invited. Those are your midnight calls. No, no. Yeah, I was like, that doesn't sound like a reason to leave the industry. <laughs> I need more of these clients. <laughs> I'll direct those to you. It's a show. Is it? It's, it's a, a show. show. you got to be kidding yes, me. Yes, it is. Yes. Do your job. Oh, show. boy. Thank Robert, you, don't anything, you don't want to put anything, in, anything else into this? You sure? No, we're good. That all in. A, you said all you had to say. We're all, all in. All the difference all. between Make a whole sure show Make sure you watch you. this show. Okay. And get your info on uh, FHA versus conventional. <laughs> I don't know how. I, I, He's I take so that persuasive. Back. Make sure you watch this show if you want to learn how to do multiple offers, because that's what the show is about. I don't understand will, why you well, always have back, to be so we condescending. We will come back, we will come back in a few over. weeks and do FHA again. It's all. Good. What are you talking about? We explained exactly. I think what it, was trying to say. Don't try and do FHA don't on a no, new no. listing these yeah. days. So. I mean, it's three days. I, mean, I don't. Oh. Carla's actually trying to negotiate with him right now. Mm. You guys are a bunch of haters. Carla. I'm so done with you two. It's like so seriously. And here's and here's officially, the deal. Offer number four has called me and said, "You know what, Tom? I never. Thought you my, <laughs> I never thought my client would have have to go higher than what I did. See." Wow. There's she's, a lot of therapy more than going on. I, we have realtor over. therapy, realtor kumbaya. Stinkum sponsors here. Woo-wee. <laughs> Stinkum sponsors. Well, let's get to the people that actually help pay the bills around here and keep the lights on. And even, unfortunately, Carlos microphone sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is Mike broken. Ran- Mike Randick and Carmen Carbonara of Stewart. Title. Carbonara. Yeah, that way. You put all Latino on it. Tamika, Spot, Tamika Scott with Money Matters Financial Peace. Denise Edenhofer with Fidelity National Home Warranty. Joanna Diaz with Credit RX. Lisa Yusina with Allstate Insurance. We want to thank you guys all for sponsoring the show today and all month as well. Um, this show will be cataloged with all our other shows. We are obviously going to be live here every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. But if you missed it or you're catching into it a little bit late, go to YouTube. You can catch us at Market, our YouTube channel at Market Overdrive on YouTube. Facebook forward slash Market Overdrive. You can go to uh, the WGM Plus uh, website and look up Market Overdrive there, as well as subscribe to their podcast. We are part of the WGM Plus family on your iTunes account. And last but not least, you can go to our website, www. Dot marketoverdrive.com. That's like the first time you actually give us all. Other than that, you can go to <laughs> Carla Mina <laughs> and email her, spam her, leave her whatever message. Yeah, like, oh, let's get out of here. Just call her. Seriously, what is wrong with him today? Her phone number oh is. <laughs> we will be back next Thursday. Wait, do you know my number? What's At my number? Five, I have no idea. I know your it's number. It's under number. goofy little <laughs> crazy <thing>. maniac. <laughs> um, we'll be back next Thursday, 5.30 p.m. See you. Bye. Good job. Yeah.